broken, imperfect, sometimes fearful and without hope. And then he showed up. Frank Viola and Mary DeMuth are here to talk about their book, The Day I Met Jesus. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. And that is the name of the program. And my name, too. I'm the old white guy. I met Jesus a very, very long time ago. I'm still fearful, always imperfect, sometimes broken, but Jesus likes me a lot better than he likes you. And then Eric is the executive producer in the little glass booth. He met Jesus too, and he's still broken, imperfect, and fearful. He just doesn't think Jesus likes him. (laughs) (laughs) And then Zach Van Dyke (laughs) (laughs) met Jesus, and he was fine. Uh, winning Christian of the Year at his school for seven straight years. Now he's a mega church pastor, and he knows he's broken, imperfect, and fearful. Right. I feel like I should write a book about how to become a mega church pastor. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I should. They all basically do. So. <laughs> and the Reverend it'd be a New York Times bestseller of it. <laughs> and the Reverend Canon Doctor Justin Holcomb is here. He's Episcopalian. We're not even sure he's met Jesus. Hey now, hey. <laughs> every week. <laughs> and I don't know where Kathy is. She's in the building. Uh, she'll be in eventually. She's the soft, feminine side of the program. Je- Jesus told her to keep me in line. And now she is broken, <laughs> <laughs> imperfect, and quite fearful all the time. Where is Kathy? I have no clue. Man, we run such a tight ship around here. It's just incredible <laughs> how efficient and together we are. Hey, listen, this is going to be a great program. It really is. Frank, as you know, and he's been on a number of times, many will not come back with us the second time. Frank's been on more than that. So he's either crazy or he's recognized the profound and important impact this program makes mary demuth d-e-m-u-t-h and if you can't spell mary don't bother (laughs) and they got together and they wrote a book which i hold in my nicotine stained fingers the day i met jesus the revealing diaries of five women from the gospels hey frank you're a guy. What are you, just like women, or were you marginalized too? Steve, as you know, I have been broken, imperfect, and fearful ever since I appeared on your show. <laughs> I'm coming on to keep it that way, sir. <laughs> talk, about, talk about this. You really have a heart for people that are on the outside and have been hurt and who don't know the gospel, don't you? 
Absolutely, and even those who have heard the gospel and quote-unquote know it, to see Jesus Christ as he really is and to defamiliarize these worn-out stories that are so familiar to us that they have no power. And I had it in my head, what if, what if we could go back in time and find the woman caught in adultery and find the Samaritan woman who met Jesus at the well and find the prostitute who anointed Jesus' feet and find these broken, desperate women that everyone else rejected but whose lives were radically changed by Jesus Christ? What if we can interview them and hear right from their own lips what it was like to meet him? And so that was sort of the genesis of the book. When I found out that Mary DeMuth, I knew she wrote nonfiction. When I found out that she wrote fiction also, I knew I had found the person to write this book. And if truth be told, this is the first time it's ever been made public. Mary wrote the entire book. I just put my name on it so that it would sell. <laughs> Good heavens. Not true, not true. Frank, I'm not even sure you're safe. He's taking a page from the megachurch pastors. I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm closer, though. I'm closer after reading the book. But I like no, your style, the, the book does touch wounded areas in everyone's life. I think most people, whether they're men or women, can relate to it. And most of all, it turns these stories into 3D high def with surround sound because we see Christ in ways that we're typically not presented with. I wept through the book. Many people who are, are reading it are weeping through it, and that brings joy to our hearts because we want to see people touched by the Lord Jesus Christ today just as he touched people back then. Why are women's stories so poignant? I, You know, I, I'm a Bible teacher, and I've been doing it for you were born, Frank. And Mary, I don't know how old you are, but probably you too. And the guys' stories, now that I think about it, are sometimes kind of, I mean, they're real, but they're kind of superficial. I mean, you kind of get a passing view. But when, when uh, the gospel writers talk about women, and there's some truth about this in the entire Bible, the stories are deep, they're sensitive, they're profound. They, why is that? That's I bet nobody ever asked you that before. <laughs> no. I think because, I, I don't know, I think Jesus really went out of his way for women almost like he knew, of course he knew, that there was so much marginalization going on at that time. And as Frank has pointed out in the book, he had the longest recorded conversation in Scripture with a woman at the well, the Samaritan yep. woman. And so, wow, I mean, that's, that's profound. And, and it was not just a light discussion. It was a theological discussion as well. So I, I don't know. I think maybe I just would like to say that women are awesome, and maybe that's why. <laughs> and it, Well, that goes without saying. We, I mean, we all uh, would agree with that. <laughs> Big fans. Even Kathy knows that to be true. <laughs> but, but you find that Jesus was living in a culture— you know, we hear a lot about how women are demeaned in our culture, and they are in many ways. Um, uh, Justin, you've written a, a book about that. But but in the culture where Jesus, where the incarnation took place, you don't know nothing. You have no earthly idea the demeaning of women. They were owned. And so maybe, maybe it's just like Jesus to reach out to people and to make sure they understood that they were loved and acceptable. 
Hey, guys, I sound like I'm preaching. I'm going to stop because we've got two great guests. Uh, Kathy has joined this Welcome, crowd. Welcome, Kathy. And the book is The Day I Met Jesus, The Revealing Diaries of Five Women from the Gospel. Frank Viola, Mary DeMuth. All right, going back to Steve's question, and, I, and I'm going to try to answer it too, but set up a question for you, Mary. I'm, I'm looking at all the women, and it jumped out to me that a lot of the, all of these women in the book, all five that you do that have the diaries of, are, were vulnerable. And so back to Steve's question, maybe one of the reasons is when you see someone who is vulnerable and is being misused and harmed, and then you see God in flesh doing loving, caring, and sometimes offensive things to those who are oppressing, that there's, there's a little bit of underdog, but also that's, that's how we're made to actually see that and say, yes, that's actually right. That's what it looks like because we're so vulnerable. So it's easy not only to see in these stories the vulnerability of these women, but also we can – you know, we probably do project onto them our vulnerability. So that's mine. If uh, you get asked a question again, go ahead and use it all you'd like. Um, <laughs> if, if it's, if it's no, no good, if it's no good, well, for Frank, for you, you have to copyright me. Um, <laughs> but Mary, she can have it for free. <laughs> um, Who is this guy? <laughs> a smart Alec. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't care whether he works at the cathedral or wears a collar. He's still a smart Alec. <laughs> no, I like Frank. 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 Actually, you. Uh, I did a book and you interviewed me and you're a blast to work with and I, I like your work and uh, you're you're fun so when I knew that you all are pairing together and I've known Mary behind the scenes on some stuff and so knowing you guys are writing this together really got my attention mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it but I would I was wondering if you Mary if you could pick one of these women and and I mean there's five of them so it's so nice because you can pick anyone you want we could talk about all five eventually on the show if I would shut up um so which one stands out to you that you'd like to kind of explore the contours of the story or something like a one of those nuggets that you found that you never heard anywhere else or something that stood out to you that was powerful? Um, is there a particular one of these women that you'd like to, to launch, launch us off on? Well, I think um, the woman who had the 12 years of, of bleeding has so much relatability to almost every human on the planet because not only does she have a chronic health condition, which lots of people in my life are suffering with things like that, but she also was then forced to never hang out with people for 12 years. And um, as we imagined in this book, perhaps she had to have a divorce because she was unclean and she, you know, couldn't hang out and be with a husband or even have obviously couldn't have children if you're bleeding for 12 years. And so her story was really touching to me because she forced her way through a crowd that she knew she wasn't supposed to be in, most likely had no strength and crawled to touch the fringe of his garment, did not want to be noticed, and yet Jesus stopped everything, noticed her, dignified her, healed her, set her free. And I think a lot of us, we were in that position Now, we did get some feedback on that chapter where someone said, well, you're trying to tell us that if we just push into Jesus enough, he's going to heal us all. And that is not what we said, but I can see um, if someone's hurt in that area, they may construe that. I don't believe that Jesus heals everybody. Um, We will be fully healed on the other side of things, but I do believe he meets us in our need. I do believe he sees us. He is the God who sees. And so that's, that story really 
resonated with me. Yeah, her desperation stands out, and it has that same feel of the the paralytic whose friends tear open the roof. And I mean, you're tearing into someone's roof in their house, and then this one where she is unclean, pushing her way or crawling her way through, and making everyone else unclean. Also, so it's mm-hmm. a, this powerful picture of the desperation. Thank you, mm-hmm. Frank. Tell us kind of the theological implications of the stories. I mean, what is this about, if we want to put it in a propositional phrase or sentence? Well, I would put it in the, in the words of the hymn, which says, The look that melted Peter, the face that Stephen saw, the heart that wept with Mary, can alone from idols draw. And the point there being that if our eyes are open to see the Lord Jesus Christ as he really is, then it will pull us away from everything that competes with him. It will cause us to fall in love with him. And in this book, what we're trying to do is not only introduce Christ in three dimensions. We open the book with the story from Luke 24, where Jesus appears as a mysterious stranger to two disciples who are walking from Jerusalem to the little village of Emmaus. And when Jesus appears to these two disciples, they don't know who he is, but he does something interesting. He takes them through the whole story from Genesis to the end of the Old Testament, and he reframes the entire narrative. He doesn't deviate from the scriptural story, but he tells it differently. And in so doing, their hearts burn within them. And then they invite him back to their home, and as he reaches for the bread and breaks it, Luke says their eyes were opened and they knew. And that sentence is an echo from Genesis 3, where another couple, another two people, (laughs) had their eyes opened and they knew. And it's no accident that the wording is like that, because what Jesus was doing, he was reversing the fall. When Adam and Eve took the first food, their eyes were open and they knew. Well, here, Jesus reaches for the bread, and presumably they looked at his hands As he broke the bread, they saw the wounds, and their eyes were opened, and they knew. And the point there is that Jesus Christ had to tell his own disciples the story differently, not in a way that deviated from the true narrative, but they were reading it through the wrong lens, and it had no power and no effect. And so what we're doing in this book is telling the story differently. Not in a way that departs from the original narrative, but in a way that brings it to life so that these women, hearing their own stories through their own lips, not only come to life off the page, but the Christ of the Gospels comes to life in our hearts. And that was our intention in doing it. And that's something that's important for both believers and non-believers, right? Absolutely, because the world, by and large, (laughs) they've heard about Jesus somehow. And unfortunately, it's been a a highly religious, diluted, and often corrupted version. But it's the same way with Christians. We get excited about the Lord. The day I met Jesus, as it happens in our life, is wonderful. The Bible's a new book. But after a while, we keep reading the same stories the same way. And so what Mary and I have done in this book is to retell the story, not in a way that departs from Scripture, but in a way that looks at it through a totally different vantage point. 
And uh, what we're finding, uh, based on the, the feedback we've heard so far, is that people are meeting Jesus all over again, even though they had met him in the past. And that's something that's very humbling and honoring to us. Well, to kind of follow up with that, Frank, I would be curious, like, as you were, uh, can, you, can, you, can you pinpoint something that surprised you about, about Jesus that maybe you hadn't seen before, or, or maybe one of the stories in particular? Mary said the woman with the blood um, kind of took on new life for her. Did any of the stories kind of become something, something totally new to you as you were working through this with her? Yeah, there were a number of things. One of them is, is the dialogue with the Samaritan woman. When Jesus met her, she was at a well at noon, and she was there alone. And what's interesting, too, is that the women drew water in that time period in the mornings or the evenings. She was intentional about going there alone because she, she lived with shame. People in the village knew who she was. They knew all about her past. She was living in sin at the time. And here she meets this stranger at the well, surprised by it. And in that day, Jewish men were never to talk to women in public alone. Secondly, Jewish men were never to speak to Samaritans. And not only is this a Samaritan woman, and not only is she, you know, a woman, but he, in effect, asks her for a drink. And Jewish people were never to to mingle utensils or drink or eat with Samaritans. He breaks all these taboos. And not only does he do that, but he tells her things that he has never told any disciple. <laughs> I mean, some of the most amazing things he ever told anyone, he told this woman. And not only does she have all these things against her in terms of culture and taboos, but she's been married to five men. She's living with the sixth man outside of marriage. And here the seventh man comes along, who is Jesus, and carries on the longest recorded conversation he's had with anyone else. And what's so fascinating is that this is at Jacob's well. And Jacob met his bride at a well, and it was also at noon. Hmm. And he is now the new Jacob, the seventh man in her life. She has been used and abused, used up, without hope, filled with shame and guilt. And here, the Lord Jesus Christ, the seventh man, appears to her as the new and the real bridegroom. And she's half Jew and half Gentile. That's what Samaritans were. Wow. And she's a picture of the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom, and we're the bride. And it doesn't matter what's happened in our past or our present. He is our hope. He is our forgiveness. He is our new life. It is an incredible story. And we bring all of this out in the book. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Mary, I was thinking as you were talking about the um, about the woman with the uh, with the blood problem um, that it, you know when somebody's as you read through the through the New Testament, somebody's blind and they're sitting outside, and it's obvious that they're blind. Or um, if somebody's sitting by the pool and they're they're trying to get in when the waters begin to ruffle because they're you know in hopes of being healed or any of those kinds of things. You know, everybody knows what's going on uh, with that individual, but this is just such an exceptionally personal and very private issue for this woman um you know she could have just continued to stay in her house and and you know nobody would have known but to venture out um that's just uh i i don't know that i could have done that <laughs> um did, yeah, did, did, yeah, as yeah. you were going through all that and and working on her story 
were you uh, were you impressed or surprised or whatever by her? That's uh, that that's very very bold uh, and and willing to be very vulnerable. It is, and I, I think that's a message for the church today because I think what Jesus hallows in us is our desperation. And we, um, I live in the South, and so there's you know a lot of like kind of. Christians who like to look like Christians on the outside, but don't really have it on the inside. They're not really following Jesus, but they look great. And I don't really think that's Christianity. I think Christianity is actually a bunch of messed up people who are desperate. And when we are desperate, that is when the strength of Jesus can shine through. Paul's pretty clear about that. You know, his grace is sufficient for us because his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so she just models that desperation, and that's what Jesus is seeking. He's not seeking, as Oswald Chambers said, he's not seeking specimens to put in a showroom. He is seeking those who are desperate for him. Yeah. Tell us, I guess, uh, you, Mary, you can start, and then Frank, you can, you can talk about it too. This must have been an interesting process. I mean, you guys don't live in the same place. Did you know each other before? Tell us about... We have never met each other face-to-face. <laughs> you never have? Uh-uh. Hey, Mary, this is Frank, and Frank, this is Mary. <laughs> hey, uh, nice I to think meet you all ought to get to know each other. I mean, we have found you to be reasonably pleasant, nice people. Now, okay, uh, how does this... Talk about process, Mary, and then, Frank, you talk about it, too. Yeah, we had pretty clear... Um, uh, parameters. I was going to write the fiction and Frank was going to write the nonfiction. And then we then gave each other um, feedback on each other's pieces. And it just kind of went back and forth on the phone and in email and with editors and all of that process. And, and so, yeah, we haven't met each other face to face yet. We've been trying, but it just hasn't been working out. And that's okay. I thought it was a very smooth co-authoring process. I had another process that didn't go well, and so I was very hesitant for this one, but it was actually quite a blessing. You want to tell us about the process that didn't go very well and name <laughs> names? <laughs> <laughs> we would be interested. Yeah, name name. <laughs> Frank, we're into dirt around you. No. Hey, Frank, you want to add something to that? It was a remarkable experience because I have co-written books with several other people before, and the co-writing process was a bit challenging with others. I will not name names, but only because our writing paces are different. You know, I'm a plotter. I take a lot of time writing, and I try to do a little bit each day so that I can make the deadline for the publisher. The other writers I had in the past, they're bingers. They wait to the last minute, kind of like cramming for a college exam. <laughs> so they don't even do any writing until, you know, the 11th hour, uh, which made it challenging. But Mary's a plotter, too. So we, we really had a good synergy. We had writing chemistry. She added some great insights to my nonfiction practical application sections. I gave her some thoughts about her fiction parts. And I think it really worked well. And the book is unique in that it's set up as a blend, as a hybrid of you know autobiographical fiction and practical application nonfiction. And, and it seemed to work well. And so far, the feedback has been positive. Mary, Steve mentioned the woman who broke into the party that the Pharisees were having because she wanted to be with Jesus. And we know from that story that those who are forgiven much, love much, could you speak to that and how that worked in that woman's life and, and then how that works in our lives? Yeah, and as I, I mentioned before, this, this quality of desperation, she had that as well. But I think 
underneath that desperation was this insatiable need to thank Jesus. She, because she poured out um, herself at his feet, she most likely encountered him prior to that. And she entered into this public space. Homes were not um, private like they are here in the States. Um, she entered in and unashamed, unashamedly and unabashedly just lavished Jesus with love. And what I love about that is he doesn't say, um, yeah, don't break that perfume that you earn through prostitution. On It's really awkward and don't do that. He just dignified her and and praised her love. And that's, I think, what we miss in our Christianity today. We are sometimes um, robots. We hear the things that we're supposed to do and the list of things we're not supposed to do, and we just say, okay, give me the list. I'll do it. And we live these loveless lives towards Jesus. But this woman loved him. And I think we're supposed to love him in like manner. You, you know, and I, and I personally think, and we're about out of time, but I think Luke 7 is maybe the most radical passage in the entirety of Scripture. I mean, there is no get discipled, get better, don't sin anymore. There's just Jesus and a woman he dignified. Hey, I hope you guys are going to write another book about guys, and we'll have you on next time, too. <laughs> <laughs> and you're bo- you both are great guests. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. You guys go out and get this book, The Day I Met Jesus, The Revealing Diaries of Five Women from the Gospel. Frank Viola, Mary DeMuth.